Hi there, I'm Keaton. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way that you can do that is by texting River Connect. That's one word to the number 97,000. You can also head to our website, theriverchurch.cc, to learn more about us in upcoming events. Lastly, if you want to give to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or head to our website and click the Give tab. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So October 31st is one of my favorite days of the year because it houses three of my favorite holidays of the year. Now, you're like, wait, hold on. Three holidays? How can that be, right? I know the one, right? The first one, obviously, Halloween. My family, we go crazy for Halloween. Uh, I have talked to my parents already. They have tons of stuff planned for this evening. Um, and, and we've always loved it. We've always trick-or-treated. I'm always, I, I like dressing up in costumes. And, you know, as a kid, I loved roaming our neighborhood. It was a fun time. The second one is uh, kind of unique to my family, right? It's my sister's birthday. My sister, she uh, was born October 31st. Uh, I gave her a call, talked to her today, right? And I always loved it because I never had to go to one of my sister's birthday parties because I would just end up trick-or-treating with my friends while she had girls over to the house. And so I never had to deal with that, which I didn't realize until I grew up and talked to other people with sisters that that was a huge blessing, right? And so I've always been thankful. But the third holiday, a lot of you may not know of, right? How, does anyone know what other holiday is on October 31st? Yeah, yeah, it goes by a couple names, right? All Saints Day, or, you know, I like to call it Reformation Day. Reformation Day is October 31st. And a lot of you may look and be like, Reformation Day, I've never heard of that. You and I were in the same boat up until I was in college, and I heard some people talking about it. I went to a Bible college, and uh, while I was there, right, I heard some people talking about Reformation Day. I was like, what is Reformation Day? And it wasn't until I was in uh, a... Uh, early church history class that I started to learn about the importance of Reformation Day. You see, Reformation Day, uh, really, it was not that big a deal at the time, but now it has catastrophically changed the way that we do church in a great and amazing way. You see, there was this one guy, his name was Martin Luther, uh, not Martin Luther King. They're both incredible, but for different reasons. And uh, th- this guy named Martin Luther, he was a fat, old German monk, right? That's what he did. He was hanging out and he was a monk. He, uh, he was living uh, in a monastery. And what he was doing was he was studying the Bible. He was reading the Bible and he was reading it really intensely. And what he realized was what he was reading in scripture was different from what the Catholic church of the time was doing. They didn't match up. There was something that was not the same. They didn't mesh together. And that made him ticked off, right? That made him upset. That was something that he was not willing to stand for. And so Martin Luther, what he did was he wrote 95 Theses. That's what they're called. He wrote a list of 95 things. And he says, these are the ways that we have deviated, that we have walked away from how church was supposed to be done. And instead of like a normal person, like mailing it to like 
the church or like in that time mailing it to the Pope. What he did was in the early morning of October 31st, he went down to his local cathedral and he nailed it to the front door so that no one could go in without seeing the issues that he had. And people didn't like that too much, right? The church didn't like that too much and it started to spread. But what Martin Luther did was he didn't stop there with his 95. What he did was he went back to scripture and he scoured scripture to see what things needed to change in the church. And he came across verses like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. If your Bibles turn there with me. He found verses like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and a myriad of other verses as well that said the same thing. Here's what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And what he realized was the Bible is important for every single person to read, to have, and to know. And you may look and you say like, well, yeah, I've heard that in churches all the time. That's because of him, right? Because he and a bunch of other people like him realized that's not how it was. You see, in the very early church or in this, this period of time in the church, the Bible was only translated into the Latin language. And the reason for that was a couple different things, but the main reason was so that the priests were the only ones who had access to the Bible and so that they could tell the people what it said. Because the belief was the people are too dumb to interpret scripture on their own. And this ticked Martin Luther off. He said, no, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to be. The Bible is for every man. Every human, every person who is following God, they should have the Bible so that they can be taught, so that they can be reproofed, so that they can receive correction, so that they can be trained in righteousness, and so that they can be equipped for every good work. And so Martin Luther made it his mission to make sure that every single one of us, or every single person at the time, was able to have the Bible. And so what he did was, you know, he was not liked. There were people hunting for him. They wanted to kill him. And so what he did was he went and he hid away in an abandoned castle. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty cool place to hide away, right? Like, I wish I could go hide away in an abandoned castle. But uh, at the time, it was not a great place to be. And so he went and he hid away in an abandoned castle and he translated mass amounts of scripture. He would dedicate 14, 16 hours a day simply to translating the Bible into the common German language, right? Because he was German. So much so that if you look at the modern German language, a majority of the modern German language can trace its roots back to Martin Luther's translation of the New Testament. 
He put his money where his mouth is. He hid. He saw the desperate need that people had for the Bible, for the word of God. And he wasn't the only one. Think about William Tyndale. I get to go, I could talk about name after name after name of people who were hunted, who were persecuted, who were killed simply because they saw our need, the body of believers' need for the Bible. And they said, I got to figure out how to get it to them. And when I think about people like Martin Luther, like William Tyndale, like all these different Bible translators and people who put their lives at stake or who died, I'm humbled at the fact that I can have 20 Bibles on my shelf or that we can have a Bible on our phone. And then that humility turns to conviction because how often do I take my Bible for granted? How often do I let it collect dust on the shelf? How often do I complain about not hearing from God when his letter to me is on my bookshelf looking back? When people died, we put their lives at stake. People fled from their families, dedicated their lives to making sure that I had the Bible Because they viewed it as that important. Why don't I see it as that important? And so tonight, we're going to truly take a look at the desperate need that we have for Scripture. At the extreme importance of Scripture. Why so many people were persecuted, hunted, and killed. Why it matters that we are in our Bibles. But before we talk about that, let's pray together. If you would, bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you. I thank you so much that I live in a time and a place where I have access to your word. Lord, please help me not to take it for granted. Lord, please help me to be motivated, to get over laziness, to get over busyness, to prioritize your word where it should be. Lord, and tonight I pray that you help me to preach it clearly. In your precious name, Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. Throughout the Bible, or throughout the word of God, scripture is compared to different things, right? It's given in analogies, there's metaphors where it's called different things or it says, hey, the word of God is like this. And we're gonna look at one specific metaphor tonight and we're gonna talk about some different ways that it applies to our life. And it's found in two separate verses in scripture. One is in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, which we're gonna start at. And then we're gonna jump to Ephesians chapter six, verse 16 through 18. But in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, the speaker is writing and he's talking about how important the word of God is. And he says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
Now, I love this picture of a sword because uh, a lot of times you hear me describe uh, your recovery and your spiritual walks or your spiritual lives as a journey. And to me, this idea of a sword fits really well with that same idea, right? As we are on our recovery and our spiritual journey, right? As we are walking towards God in both of those things, right? One is looking to get clean and free of our addiction, and the other is looking for that whole same truth when it comes to sin. We are walking towards holiness and godliness, right? There is this walk or this journey or these travels, this adventure, right? If you want to call it that. And on this journey or adventure, right? There is danger, right? There's danger. There's things afoot, right? There, there are people. There are enemies. There are things out there trying to stop us from getting to our destination. There are things trying to distract. There are things trying to keep us lost. There are things trying to stall us or harm us. And so one of the best things to have on a journey is a sword. Why? Because a sword can do a ton of different things. We're going to talk about the different things that a sword can do and how that actually is a a really good picture of what the Bible can do in our life. First, the word of God is a sword that cuts through the lies of sin. You see, sin kind of grows up around us like a thick hedge or a forest, right? And it clouds where we want to walk and where we want to go. And we get lost, we get distracted, we get discouraged. But what the word of God is, is it's a sword that cuts that down. It's like a machete that is hacking and slashing through the sin in our life and helping us see where we ought to go. You see, Sin loves to trick us. Sin loves to lie to us. Anyone here been lied to by their sin? Mm, Me, I have been. Right? Anyone been told one thing and then uh, pretty much the opposite of that happens? Right? This will really help you out. Oh, you need to forget? I'll help you forget. You need a little bump, you need a lift. I got something. Man, I once heard a pastor say this, a preacher say this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And man, is that true. And there are lies that these, this sin tells us, lies that come from the enemy, Right, from people who try and tell us that we're worthless, that we're always going to lose, that we're always going to be an addict, that we're always going to be a failure. And then there's lies that we tell ourselves, right? Ah, I can have one drink, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, I can go and hang out at the bar with people. There's, I mean, I'm not really going to be tempted, Man, I can go to that party, I can hang around that person, and, you know, I'll be okay. It's only a couple hours. Ooh, have we told ourselves that? Man. But here's what the Word of God does. The Word of God gives us the wake-up call that we need. 
It challenges us. It shows us the root of the lies. It shows us the sin. Right? In some of those instances, the sin is bitterness. The sin is hurt that you caused someone else and that they're reciprocating to you. Maybe the sin is pride or it's arrogance or maybe it's apathy. I don't really want to put in the work to my spiritual life, so I'll figure it out. I'll do the easy things of walking with Jesus, but the hard things, we'll leave those for a time when life's a little easier. Man, it shows us the consequences of our sin. Hey, you will see that you make this little choice and this little choice will lead to this choice and this choice and this choice and pretty soon you're back right where you started. And the Bible, the word of God is a double-edged sword that really pierces our hearts and convicts us. Man, you think that I am someone who, you know, is exempt from that? No. (laughs) Let me tell you the amount of times that I've been preparing for sermon and reading the word of God and I am pierced in my heart and I realize, man, you need to work on that in your life. Whether you're the deepest sinner or you're someone who has the appearance of righteousness, the Bible will show you your need. Your need for Christ. It helps us see when we're coasting through our spiritual life. It helps us see when we don't have a spiritual life at all. It helps us see our need for Christ. Man. It really cuts down the lie after lie after lie. And so we see we have a need for our sword, right? Because our sword cuts through the lies. Next thing, the word of God is a sword to defend us from that which seeks to take us captive. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. I said we were going to jump there. But here... In Ephesians, Paul, he's writing to this church in Ephesus and he's talking to them about different things they need to make sure that they're practicing in their spiritual lives because they are under attack, right? Both their sin and outside forces are trying to take them down. And he says, here are some things that if you have these in your life, it's like armor, it's like you're ready to go to battle. You're not the, the wandering person on the road. No, you're the military man who's standing and ready, who they sent to defend the road. And you see this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18 says this. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and... The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
You see, not only is your sin trying to lie to you, not only is there people trying to lie to you and distract you, they are trying to take you down. Your sin is trying to kill you. It is. And we can go really literal with that. We all have friends in this room who have died to their addiction, who we've lost because they chose their sin. And what was their sin trying to do? Kill them. And what did it do? It succeeded so unfortunately. Man. And so we need a defense. We need something to protect us, to make sure that we don't let that sin come in and overtake us, right? Because that is what sin has done since the very beginning of time, right? God, he created us as people who had a relationship with him, who were perfect and who walked with him and who, who worshiped him through the interactions which we had in the Garden of Eden. And what did sin do? It took that away. We sinned. We lived disobedient lives. And from then on, sin has crept into our lives. Disobedience has been who we are. And we have lived separated from God. Breathing ourselves to death. Sin taking us to the grave over and over and over. But God loved us enough that he said, I'm going to save them. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live on earth and to face temptation and to face sin and to fight against it, to prevail, to be perfect. And he was perfect and he is perfect and he lived a perfect life. Yet he went and he bore our sin on himself and he died. He paid the penalty. He paid the price for you and I to have salvation, to live. And he died and he rose again. Showing that he is the breaker of chains. That he is the salvation. That he is God. And when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that, we, that he is Lord, we have that salvation. And you know what sin sees? A target. A fugitive. And it wants to take us back. It wants to capture us again. It wants to get that ball and chain around our legs. And it wants to sink us in the bottom of the ocean. And that ocean is our own sin once again. And so we were given the word of God to help us fight. To help us look and say, no, no, no. We will not fall to sin. We will live godly lives. Martin Luther, that guy I was talking about earlier, he wrote about why this is so important. And he said this, if you now attempt in this spiritual conflict to protect yourself by the help of man without the word of God, you simply enter upon the conflict with that mighty spirit, the devil, naked and unprotected. 
Such an endeavor would be worse than David against Goliath without God's supernatural power helping David. You may, therefore, if you so please, oppose your power to the might of the devil. It will then be very easily seen what, uh, what an utterly unequal conflict it is if one does not have at hand in the beginning the word of God. He said, when you try and go on your own strength, when you try and figure it out on your own, when you keep fighting the devil on your own, you know what it's like fighting? It's like fighting naked. Not only do you not have a weapon, you don't got nothing. Your only weapon is the word of God. Your only defense is the very thing which God provides. And he provides it through his word. When hard times come, when temptation is there, all that we can do is look to the promises of God. It reminds me of a, a verse in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. I don't have it up on the screen. But it's, it says this, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he can stand, uh, who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But he says this, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, he also provides the way of escape that we might endure it, that you might be able to endure it. That is a promise that God gives you where? In his word. So when you feel tempted, when you have that bottle in your hand, when you're going to that street corner, there is a way out. God promises you that. But we can only rely on the promises in his word if we know what his word says. And so we must take up our sword. So we must read. So we must train with the living word of God. Man, we must Look to protect ourselves on our spiritual and recovery journey with the equipment that God has given us in his word. Last thing. The word of God is a sword to be used as a tool in our times of need. Right? A sword can be a bunch of different things. It doesn't just have to be a weapon to hack and slash. Right? It can be a mirror, right? If you don't have water, you don't have something to look in, right? People on the road would look at, you know, to make sure that they're all good, that they look okay, or to check out a wound maybe on their face, whatever it may be. It can be used to start a fire with some flint and steel. It could be used as a knife, not to harm, but to build or to take apart or to cut down something of that nature, it could be used as a blunt instrument. It could be used as a pry bar. It could be used as so many different things. It is, at its core, a tool to be used. And it can fit your situation, your need. Man, does the Bible do that. You see, like I said, the Bible is compared to a bunch of different things. That's because it meets your need. Right? The word of God is compared to a fire, to a hammer, to a lamp, to light the way, to food, to a seed, to grow, to a mirror, to look at the sin in your life. It's compared to all these things. 
The word of God is the answer to the question that you're struggling with. The word of God is useful in every circumstance that you're going to. But we don't like to think about it like that. Or we scoff because we think that that's the churchy answer. It's an oversimplification. If you're walking through something and you don't know the direction that you should be headed, it's a lamp for your feet. If you're hurting and you're struggling and you have a wound in your heart, it can bandage and mend you. And we can go through circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. It fits. The word of God fits your need. It actually surpasses your needs. So when you're in need, stop running to the things of the world. Stop running to Facebook articles to solve your problems. Self-help books. Friends who know nothing about Jesus. I'm glad that you have those people. But it's like asking the blind to lead the blind. They're just as lost as you. But the word of God is our guide. It is our tool. It is our bandage. It is our hammer. It is our fire. It is our food. It is our seed. It is our meter. It is the answer to the needs that we have. It is living, like it said in Hebrews chapter 4. It is living, and it is the means that God uses to communicate to us. And so tonight, the application, the the takeaway, be in your Bible. I don't know how to say it any more simply than that. Now, I'm not expecting you to go from never reading the Bible to an hour a day. That's unreasonable, right? It's not, it's not impossible, but it's a muscle that you have to learn, you have to figure out. You have to begin to put practices in your, in your life. You have to begin to prioritize. Now, if you go home and you, and you read an hour a day every day this week, you know I'll, I'll give you a gold star next week for sure. I'll be so proud of you and so thankful. But I would encourage you, maybe... Read for 15 minutes tomorrow morning. Maybe pick up a Devo from our app or from the YouVersion app. Maybe ask someone in your table group to maybe text you and say, hey, hey, have you read today? Maybe you need a Bible in the first place. You don't have a Bible. Start the process. That's the bottom line. The word of God is there. It's there to help you cut down the lies. It's there to defend you in times of hardship when things are coming after you. And it is the tool you need for every single job. Use it. Use it. People died so you could use it. Christ died. So that we could have salvation and understanding. And so that he could give us the word of God. And so tonight, that's my encouragement to you. Find a Bible. 
whether it's from me or some other way, get a hold of a Bible and start being in it. Find the word of God and let it protect. Let it cut down the lies and let it answer the questions that you have. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful for your word. Lord, I am so thankful that it is not just some book. It's not just some textbook. It's not just some map. It's not just some novel or some story. Lord, it is living and breathing. It is your word, and it teaches, and it exhorts, and it helps me understand, and it shows me how much you love me, and it covers me when I'm hurting, and it teaches me. Lord, it is the sword that I need. Lord, it is the tool that I need. Lord, I pray that you would humble me. You'd get rid of my apathy. You would get rid of whatever thing is keeping us from reading your word. Lord, that tonight you would renew in us a passion for the word of God, for your word. And Lord, that you would help us turn to it in our times of need. Lord, and I pray for maybe someone in this room who doesn't know their need for you. Lord, maybe heard the gospel for the first time tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help them to really see the depth of their sin and their need for you and your love for them. Lord, And I pray in thanks that you have given us your word once again. Lord, we love you in your precious holy name, Jesus' name. Amen.